And good evening, everyone, and welcome to our evening broadcast. We hope that you are well and warm and ready for a great Bible study. Tonight is Wednesday, January 6th, and I am Pastor Stephen Beardsley, and you are tuned in to the digital campus broadcast of Newark United Pentecostal Church. Welcome. If this is your first time with us, we give you a special welcome, and we're glad that you've joined us. Maybe the title for tonight has piqued your interest, or maybe somebody invited you, or maybe you just somehow stopped the scroll, and here you are. Well, let me tell you what we're up to tonight. But before I go any further, if you want to know anything more about us, go to newarkupc.info. You can find out everything you need to know at that website. Again, that's Newark, as in a new and an arc along with the, the letters UPC, standing for United Pentecostal Church, .info, and you can find out everything you need to know about us. Now, what's up with tonight? Well, first of all, we're in the middle of our first week in the new year, and we're in the middle of a series called A Fresh Start. And so tonight, I was supposed to do a Bible study that dealt with a fresh start, looking at the prodigal son or the wayward son, looking at the woman at the well, at the city of Samaria in city of Samaria called Sychar, and uh, we're going to have a great Bible study. And then some things happen today. And uh, if you are tuning into the broadcast and you've been busy with your day and you're totally unaware of what I'm talking about, I'm going to clue you in. Some really crazy things went down today. Now you may or may not know that within our nation today was the day for the Electoral College's votes to be certified by the Congress, both the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America. This is our country. We live in it, and we believe in praying for it. We believe in praying for our leaders. We believe in living peaceably in this country, and, uh, and above all, doing so in a manner that brings glory to God and to his kingdom. We are the servants of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. And so during this process, many of you may have known from following or even not following the news that there was going to be a large protest. And one of the freedoms of this country is that we are allowed to peacefully protest. It's guaranteed as a part of our Constitution. It is part of our rights, as we like to talk of them. And uh, this peaceful protest was very large. It was in support of the outgoing president, President Donald J. Trump. And it was. Uh, expressing opinions that people are allowed to express, namely that they felt there had been something illegitimate and invalid and dishonest and illegal about the vote. Protesting is allowed in the United States of America. In fact, it is protected. But this protest went someplace far different. By the time the afternoon was done, this protest, or at least elements of it, had stormed the Capitol building. They had not only stormed the Capitol building, they had broken windows and doors. They had taken over the Capitol building momentarily, all the way to the point that senators and representatives are, were all hiding in either offices or in secure locations where security had taken them to. And different images, if you have been watching the news, showed you people standing in the House of Representatives, standing in the Senate chambers, people sitting in offices that were not theirs, and all manner of disrespect, all manner of inappropriate action. And um, the last time I checked, they have since regained control of the Capitol and uh, slowly but surely are dispersing this protest that turned 
violent. Unfortunately, in the midst of this, I don't have details, but one lady was shot and was killed. And so there is a death that has occurred in the midst of this, obviously a long way from a peaceful protest. Now, I've been very quiet during this political season. And the reason is, is because I pastor a church that is diverse and we are committed to being diverse. We're committed to be in a safe place for people of all different nationalities, backgrounds, ethnicities, languages, cultures, and yes, political opinions to be able to come together and to worship Jesus Christ. I spoke only once, and that was when the election was finally called for President-elect Joe Biden and President, Vice President-elect uh, Kamala Harris. And I issued a statement on that very day when they called it. And I gave very clear direction, not a lot of teaching, just very clear direction that we were to maintain our Christian identity. And as a part of that Christian identity, I cannot remove myself, disavow myself, cut myself off from a brother or a sister in Christ due to a difference of political opinion. Today, as these events have unfolded, as I have watched quietly and silently across the days since that election was called, I have watched as many, many, many Christians are falling prey to a ploy of the devil. Now, Newark family, please understand, I am primarily speaking to you. I currently hold the responsibility of being a shepherd to this flock. I'm a watchman on the wall. It is not my job to run your life. It is not my job to control your life. But it is my responsibility to speak to you the truth of the word of God, to speak to you from the scriptures. But I'm also aware, given our broadcast, that others may be watching this. And so please allow me the liberty to address in the fullest sense, not just our Newark family. Most, if not all of you already know where I'm going to go tonight and probably most, if not all of what I'm going to say. But allow me to address all of us in fullness. And therefore I have given the somewhat grandiose title to tonight of an address to Christians in America. And allow me to address everyone because we are in the midst of making a major mistake. Please understand, this is not an address to Republicans. This is not an address to Democrats. This is not an address to independents. This is an address to people who by their very name claim to be followers of Jesus. Please understand something. To be a follower of Jesus requires self denial, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. And that identity preempts every other affiliation and every other identity that we might have. I didn't say that you are not a man or a woman. I did not say that you are not black or brown or white. I did not say that you were not born in your nation of origin or you do not speak your language or you do not have your cultural background. All of these are a part of who you are. 
But when you repent of your sins, when you go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus, and when God fills you with his spirit and you begin to speak in a language you do not understand, we call that the new birth experience, you are called to a new identity. And it is an identity that is more important. It outranks every other piece of who you are because heaven and earth are going to pass away and your body's going to pass away and your identity here on this earth is going to pass away. But this identity as a Christian is eternal. It is an identity that places you, as I stated, when the election was called, it places you as a member of the kingdom of heaven and nothing on earth can ever, ever be more important than your identity in the kingdom of heaven, ever. This is the cost of being a Christian. Whatever I want, I'm a man, I'm white, I'm from blue bloods of Connecticut, I am educated, I am fill in the blank, whatever the pieces are that make up your identity, none of those matter. The Apostle Paul gives us a great example of this as he runs off his pedigree and he says, I counted all of this as dung, as crap, as feces, that I might gain Christ. This is our identity. If you want to be a Christian, all else falls under this identity. Everything else submits itself to this identity. And our mandates of how we operate flow from this identity. So, what are we to think of the American political system? What are we as Christians supposed to do when our candidate does not win? What are we to do if we think there has been political malfeasance, or there has been some kind of illegal activity. How are we to respond to corrupt government? How are we to respond to things that we find offensive? You are allowed to have your political opinion. In fact, Jesus told us to render unto Caesar, render unto the government that which is the government's. And so I, I teach you, you should go and vote because that is your rendering unto Caesar. We live in a particular type of government where you are not only allowed to vote, you are encouraged to vote. It is a sacred right that you have. And I have never told a single person how to vote. I have never tried to guide you in how to vote. I've never told you what political party to belong to or whether you even need to belong to a political party. But what happens when things don't go your way? What happens when your preferences do not happen? What happens when injustice occurs? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me read to you from a letter, and it's important that we understand the context of this letter. This is a letter written by Paul. It is written during a time that he was most likely arrested, imprisoned, and headed to Rome to stand trial for something he didn't do. Sound just? Not at all. He's writing it to a church that's located in the capital city. 
That's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's in the midst of the capital city of the Roman Empire. And this letter is the letter to the Romans. These are people living right where Caesar is ruling. This is where all of the political power of the Roman Empire is operating. And Paul's writing to them. And here is what is the kicker. The guy that was in the office, they wouldn't have called it an office back then, but the guy that was Caesar was one of the worst Caesars of all of world history. His name is Nero. Nero was despotic. Nero was immature. Nero was nasty. Nero was, well, he grew up in a really crazy family, so he was twisted psychologically. And history, Roman history tells us that when Rome burned, he was accused of having set the city on fire because he wanted to take huge portions of the land to himself to build a golden palace, which by the way, whether he set Rome on fire or not, he did in fact build a golden palace, the complex of which was acres in size. When the accusations began to come in, Nero was in a relationship with a Jewess. Normally, Jewish people were who the Romans and the Greco-Roman world blamed for things that went wrong. But in this particular case, Nero was in a relationship with a Jewess, and so he turned to a sect, at least as he understood it, of the Jews, the Christians. And Roman historians tell us that there was a brief but fierce persecution of the Christians all the way to the place that Nero is reported to have brought them into his garden and set them on fire as tiki torches. Just think about that. Human beings set on fire to light your garden. Now, I want you to pause for a minute. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent. I want you to think of every single senator that you like or don't like. You think of every single House of Representative member that you like or don't like. You think of every presidential candidate that you like or don't like. You think of every vice presidential candidate that you like or don't like. None of them come anywhere close to Nero. The nastiness, the ungodliness, the absolute depravity. This man stands on the stage with the modern heroes of depravity, such as Hitler or Pol Pot or Stalin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, some of you at Newark have been complaining we've been doing too much teaching and not enough preaching. Now, I'm going to try to teach you tonight, but you're going to get a little preaching tonight. Nobody in our current modern world of North America sits in anywhere remote connection to the man who sat in Rome in power to whom Paul then wrote and said these words, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except by God's appointment and the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So the person who resists such authority resists the ordinance of God. But those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers cause no fear for good conduct, but for bad. Do you desire not to fear authority? Do good, and you will receive its commendation. For it is God's servant. The authority is God's servant 
for your good. But if you do wrong, be in fear, for it does not bear the sword in vain. It is God's servant to administer retribution on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of the wrath of the authorities, but also because of your conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants devoted to governing. Pay everyone what is owed, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and if there are any other commandment, are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Sounds like Paul had heard Jesus somewhere, either from his own mouth or from his disciples, when Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. They're going to know you're a follower of Christ because you have love one for another. They also, he must have heard Jesus instruct them that you love your enemies. You bless those that curse you. You do good to those who despitefully use you. Brother Steve, this is, not, this is not the American way. Don't tread on me. We have a right. Now you listen to me, church. You hear me, dear Christian. Don't lecture me about Americanism. My family, literally my bloodline, fought in the Revolutionary War. A father and a son. It's reported that the son was in the Boston Tea Party. Hear me clearly, dear Christian. American revolution has no basis in scripture. I love what the American revolution produced. I love the country that I live in, but let's have a reality check here. There is no scripture, none, that gives us the basis to do what was done in the American revolution. In fact, what was done in the American revolution is contrary to the scriptures. I didn't say God couldn't use it, and he has. I'm not telling you that I want to get rid of our American democracy. I love this country, but let's have a reality check here. We were not acting as Christians when we revolted against England. We were insurrectionists, we were rebellious, and we were breaking Romans 13. That's the facts of the matter. Well, but we were doing it for a good cause. Really? Tell that to all of your black brothers and sisters who labored in slavery for years afterwards. Tell that to all the brown people who have entered this country and we have treated inappropriately. We did it for one reason, taxes, which Paul said you ought to pay. We did it for economic reasons. We didn't do it for godly reasons. We didn't do it for righteous reasons. The fact that something good came out of it goes to show how much God can turn that which was evil and make it turn out for good. It's not to our credit. I am tired. Everybody look at me. My skin is white. I am tired of you white people lecturing about your rights 
when you sit in pews next to black people and brown people who do not yet fully have all their rights in this enterprise called the American democracy. It is high time for us to be Christians first. When we are Christians, we will solve this world's problems. When we act as Christians, we will solve this world's problems. But when we think we're gonna solve this world's problems through this world's means, then we have forgotten Jesus' injunction that it is not to be so in his kingdom, for his kingdom is not of this world. Jesus went to a cross and died at the hands of the Romans. He submitted to wrongful death, as did most of his apostles, including Paul, because they understood something that I am afraid, my dear brothers and sisters, we are in jeopardy of missing. We do not have rights. We are his children, and God is not bothered by his children dying or living in this life because he understands that what this is all about is the life to come. You are not supposed to defend your rights as a Christian. You are to bear witness to Jesus. In fact, the greatest opportunity that we have to bear witness to Jesus happens when we realize that we're being persecuted and we operate in a manner unexpected and unexplained. Now, you're not the first Christians to make this mistake. The early Christians did it as well. The first Christian emperor was a guy by the name of Constantine. I know quite a bit about him because along with my biblical studies degree, I also studied early Christian history quite deeply. Constantine was anything but a Christian emperor. The man was a despot. When he came to power, the Roman Empire had actually four emperors. And by the time he got done, he had killed three of them, all in the name of Christianity. The Greek bishops of the East thought that they might be able to use this guy who had noticed that throughout the Roman Empire, there were Christians in almost every strata of society. So Constantine needed to bind this huge Roman Empire back together under his single rule. And he thought, I can do this by appealing to the Christians. I pray somebody's got ears to hear and can listen. Politicians, all of them, are about getting people to allow them to use them. Yes, I said what I said. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, politicians are about convincing people that they're working for them. Sometimes they are. Many times they're not. Many times they change. The point is not about politicians. The point is, what should a Christian do? Well, the bishops of the Greek East thought, well, we can work this. This will allow us to come out of persecution, which, by the way, they had been experiencing horrible persecution, even unto death. We can parlay this into power. We can influence. We can make this a Christian empire. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what they did? They made it a Christian empire. And you can read world history about how over and over and over the Christian faith did atrocities in the name of Jesus Christ. How did this happen? Now, you listen to me very carefully, dear Christian. Anytime 
that you allow the kingdom of this earth to influence, control, or be commingled with the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of this earth will corrupt it. Empire never submits to the church. It corrodes the church. Brother Steve, are you saying we shouldn't vote? That's not what I said. Brother Steve, are you saying we're not allowed to have a political opinion? That's not what I said. You cannot allow anything to supplant the kingdom of heaven. You must always operate in love. You must always operate in a manner that is godly. You must always operate in a manner that is Christ-like. Christ held his peace. Christ went to a cross and died. Christ was flogged. You never hear Christ assert his rights. If anybody had rights, Jesus Christ had rights. He was God himself in the flesh. He was the creator of all of the universe. And his own creation was disrespecting him. But he held his peace. They buffeted him and he said not a word. This is our example. Now, you need to hear me today. Anything but a denial of what is happening in our nation, anything but a realignment that we are not operating according to the ways of this world, in that moment, if you allow yourself because of your own culture, your own background, your own ethnicity, your own political opinion, your own political party, your own voting record, to align yourself with what is happening in our nation right now. You are in that moment. I'm not talking about what you can do after repentance, but in that moment, you are not acting as a Christian. Romans 13 is binding my brothers and sisters, every person be subject to the governing authorities. We're American. Don't lecture me about being American. Any of you that know me, you know I am a rabble rouser. You know that I am a troublemaker. You know that I am a truth speaker. But there are limits, and the limits are Scripture. We may not violate Scripture. If you are a Christian, you must act as a Christian. And when you don't act as a Christian, you have to repent and change. Now, here's what's amazing. Right before the passage I read to you from Romans 13, the Apostle Paul talks about the need to be devoted to one another with mutual love, to be enthusiastic, to rejoice in hope, to endure in suffering, to persist in prayer, to bless those who persecute you, and bless and not curse. I'm going to speak to you. Some of you are posting in the Facebook world. Some of you are writing things that are not Christian. Anything that besmirches the witness of Christ ought not come out of our fingers, ought not come across our screens, and should not come out of our mouths. Period. When you let them come out of your mouth, when you tap away on your iPad, when you click those keys, even when you just click the share button, you are besmirching the witness of Christ. It's not Christian. Now remember, there might be somebody listening to this go, I'm not a Christian. 
And I, frankly, am not talking to you. I expect those who do not understand Christianity and its mandates, I expect them to do all kinds of crazy things. I expect them to speak in manners that are intolerant and, and atrocious. I expect them to be ungodly because, with all due respect to my dear friends that might be listening, you are ungodly. You do not know the scriptures and you don't live by them. And you're not required to because you have not claimed to be a Christian. But to you, my brothers and sisters, who claim to be a Christian, you and I must do better. We may not operate in the ways of this world. He who would be greatest in the kingdom must be servant of all. Today, some of you are trying to be the least in the kingdom because you're trying not to serve anyone. You're unwilling to deny self. You're unwilling to lay aside your own personal biases and experiences and prejudices. It is high time that the Spirit stir up within you the love one for another. Do you understand what kind of words you're saying? Do you understand what your posts mean? You say you want to reach all the nations of the world, but you are signaling to them constantly that what you really want is a white church. You want a privileged church. You want a church that's got a smattering of all these other nations of the world, but we want our white privilege. Why are you going off like this, Steve? Because I'm a white boy and somebody needs to tell you. You're being foolish. You're not being godly. You're not being biblical. You're not being Christ-like. Now, why? I don't think you're bad people. I think the spirit is in you. But you are bothered by the evil of the world. But you're forgetting that you don't conquer evil with evil. Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. He does this in chapter 12 of Romans. Consider what is good before all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. You can't be in those protests. You can't be in that place. You can't align with that. He goes on and says, do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The problem is, is sometimes God has mercy, as we found in the story of Jonah, rather than judgment. We don't like that. We want to have control of it. Paul says, last verse of chapter 12 of Romans, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't want to hear the racist stories that you've experienced as a white person the brown person who didn't treat you right, or the black person who didn't treat you right. Seriously? First of all, you're called to overcome evil with good. But second of all, let's acknowledge something. We as a people lived for hundreds of years upon the backs of black and brown people. No, I didn't live there. I've never lived there. But I still generationally have the wealth knowledge, money, access that came from that. White people, stand down. Stop your whining. Be a Christian. Accept that the world is not fair, but God is good. Don't defend your rights. Defend the rights of others and let God build you. You're going to overcome evil with good. 
The way the world does it is it is it overcomes evil with more evil. This is why it's wickedness. This is why it struggles. In Romans chapter 14, Paul tells us, therefore, we must not pass judgment on one another, but rather determine never to place an obstacle or a trap before a brother or a sister. Have you thought about what you're expressing? What does it feel like to your brother or sister from another nation or another country? Have you thought about what it feels like to the person who's black or brown? Have you thought about what it feels like to the confused person who doesn't really know what gender they are? Because of sin, they're confused. Do you want to save them or do you want to abuse them? What have you been called to do, Christian? Paul writes in chapter 14, verse 14, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself. Still, it is unclean to the one who considers it unclean. And here, as you know, those of you that have studied, you know he's dealing with whether to eat or not to eat, meat that's been sacrificed to idols, etc. In response to that, something much smaller than some of the things that are happening in our nation right now, some of the words that are being spoken right now, he says, therefore, do not let what you consider good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God does not consist of food and drink. Can I add something? The kingdom of God does not consist of elections. In fact, God's not elected. God's king. He doesn't get any validation. There's no electoral college vote. He is king. He is the ultimate in authority. So the kingdom that he reigns over is not food, drink, politics, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For the one who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by people. So then let us pursue, he says, what makes for peace and for building up one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of, and can I insert here, for the sake of politics or your rights. For although all things are clean, yes, you have a right as an American to vote, and yes, you have a right as an American to have a political opinion. It is wrong to cause anyone to stumble by what you say or do. So, are you ready to be a Christian? I never said it was fun. I never said it was easy. And by the way, those of you that know me, what's one of the chief characteristics about me? I am known as one of the most forthright, outspoken, and opinionated people you have ever met. I can't believe how many of you will lecture me about tact about proper tone, about what should be said and what shouldn't be said. And then I watch you, not for things that are convention and culture, but for things that put the gospel at risk. You post things, you write things, you speak things. I trust it's ignorance, but it's time to wake up. It's time to grow up. Now, in case you think I'm wrong, in case you think it's inappropriate that I've spoken in the manner that I have. And for all of you that wanted some preaching, well, you got some. 
Let me close. Now you understand why I'm not going to take any questions tonight. You don't want me answering questions in the mode that I'm currently in. If you have questions, you can send them in to me. Go to newyorkupc.info. You can find out all the information you need. You can find a spot there. You can send the questions in. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 16. He says, now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create dissensions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learned. Avoid them. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, I do not want to judge you, but I need you to understand something. Some of you, I'm going to have to avoid because you are causing dissensions and obstacles within the kingdom that ought not to be. I'd prefer that you stop. I'd prefer that I be able to be your brother and sister, and I will continue to be your brother. Uh, I won't be your sister, forgive me there, to be your brother. I will not stop being your brother, but I will avoid you. For the people who are this kind of people, who cause dissension, who cause obstacles contrary to the teaching, Paul says, these are the kind who do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetite. And can I substitute a word there? It's their own opinions. It's their own desires. By their smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of the naive. You're being played by some very sophisticated politicians. Remember, I'm not here telling you how I voted. I'm not here telling you whether I think the vote was legit or illegit. I'm not here telling you anything except that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's scripture. Well, what about the American dream? And what about, you know, America, America? Uh, can I bring some news to you? God's not an American. He's not overly impressed with our Declaration of Independence, particularly since it was hypocritical. I know why it happened. I know why it struggled to happen, but it was still hypocritical. All men are created equal while we enslave the African? Come on, folks. We were falling far short of the glory of God. Stop giving me this lecture about America. My family was there. We helped found it. None of that matters. Are you with Paul that you consider all of your pedigree and all of your culture and all of your background and all of your opinions as dung that you might gain Christ? You're being manipulated by the whole political system. We should be standing above it, outside of it tapped into the almighty God who rules this earth, caring not whether we live or we die, for to live is gain and to die is gain. We are the most powerful people in the world. We don't need to pack our guns and protect ourselves. We don't need to pack our guns and, and, and be able to go and, and, and defend whatever is ours. We don't need to do any of that because Christ Jesus has already bought us eternity. To live or to die, it doesn't matter. Your witness matters. That's why you've been left here. Your obedience, Paul writes to the Romans, is known to all. And thus I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will quickly crush Satan under your feet. You don't have to crush Satan and his works. God will do it. So tonight, I 
ask you, I challenge you, Newark family, I demand of you, be a Christian. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to drive anybody off. I'm not trying to reject anybody. But I will not spend time with dissension and obstacles created contrary to the teaching of the scriptures. It's time for us to be Christians. Time for people to go around and say, you know what, I don't agree with what they believe, but they sure are the most loving people I have ever met. Whether they're homosexual or straight, whether they are rich or poor, whether they got the same melatonin level as us or less, whether they come from our neighborhood or someplace else, whether they scare us or we like being with them, whether they're smart or somewhat ignorant, you fill in all the exceptions and all the reasons, and they need to know that we are Jesus' disciples because every single time, even when they're persecuting us, all they get back is love. I watched today in our nation's capital and there was no love. There was hate. There was fear. There was self-interest. There was an ungodliness there. It was very American, reminiscent of my ancestors. Yeah, jumping on a boat and dumping tea in the harbor, fighting at the Revolutionary War. But my ancestors, they weren't Christian, at least not the way the scriptures teach me to be a Christian. So tonight, pray for our nation but don't pray for it because you want what you want because God doesn't hear those prayers. Pray for it as a Christian. Pray for it the way Paul meant it when he said, and Peter meant it when they said, pray for the king and the king was Nero. Pray for all those in authority and there were despots, nasty, wicked men in power. Pray for them and strive to live peacefully with them. We have some work to do, dear brother and sister. Within the Newark family, I trust that I've already led you to a safe place, but if you've begun to get caught up in the day's events, if you've begun to get caught up in all that is happening, I warn you, step back. Pull back from there. You're allowed to think, you're allowed to question, you're allowed to participate, but never at the expense of your brother or sister. They matter more than you, more than anything else in this world, because Jesus died for them. So you should love them the way he loves them. He loved them so much that he gave himself without any promise that they would even respond. He died for us. God commended his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Whether you know them or not, whether you believe in them or not, whether you like them or not, I don't frankly care. Neither does Jesus. It's time to be a Christian. It's time to act like him. It's time to follow his example. Lord Jesus, God, I trust, I've prayed that your spirit would guide my mouth and my mind. And God, I have to trust that you have done that. 
Anything I should not have said, Lord, just kind of erase it from the minds. But God, every word of correction and every word of direction, God, I pray right now that it would go deep within the hearts of the people that I am responsible to be the watchman and the shepherd for. And for all others who, for some reason, whether they just know me or maybe they tuned in for some reason that they they needed to hear this word, God, let it be planted within our hearts. And God, let a people rise up. Let a revival happen, not out of American insurrection, but out of a return to godliness, a love for peace and kindness, even to our enemies. Help us, Heavenly Father, help us. Spread your love in our hearts through your spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. God bless you all. I trust that you will receive the word with all readiness of mind. Go search the scriptures. See if what I've taught you tonight, what I've preached to you tonight is true. If it is, obey it. Again, you can find out more about us at newarkupc.info. We've got small groups. We have kids classes on Sundays. We have all kinds of things. You can partner with us in giving. I doubt very many are going to want to do that right now because you're going to get used to that blistering speech that I just gave to you, that message. So, But if you felt moved, you can go there and help us out with giving. You can submit prayer requests. We will pray for you. You can join a small group. All of these things. We we uh, broadcast every night, Tuesday through Sunday, 7 o'clock, same time. God bless you all. I love you. I pray you have a blessed night. Do not be fearful. Walk in confidence. God is with us. Let's go be Christians. In Jesus' name.